Welcome once again to another episode of the View from the Bridge podcast from Football.London. Unfortunately, we come again when Chelsea were unable to gather three points at the weekend. They tasted defeat to Southampton after a James Ward-Prowse goal in a turgid first half. And while the second half was maybe a little bit better from Chelsea, it did little to lift the spirits as booze ran down at full time. Um, Adam Newson and myself were at that game. Um Maybe not to enjoy it. How are you doing, Adam? Have you recovered from the weekend? Yeah, I've recovered. I've recovered, and uh, now looking forward to Tottenham. Uh, yeah, that should be an interesting game. And Bobby, I guess you've been fortunate enough to enjoy the reaction to the game. How are you doing, and how is that going? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, um, not not a very positive reaction as you expect. Um, a lot of Chelsea fans feeling very down at the moment. A lot feeling very angry. Um, but yeah, I, I'm all good, Scott. Thank you. The reaction is basically, you know, you don't want to get out of bed, do you? Really? So. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I may have um, overslept a bit this morning, which Adam is referring to. Um, so it, it, you know, if I if I'm feeling a, if I'm sounding a bit drowsy, and like I've just woken up, then that is literally the case. I'm afraid. Well, I guess the first port of call before we delve into the drama that um, is sure to ensue is just to mention about Cesar Aspilicueta. He obviously went down after getting a kick in the head in the game in the second half at Stamford Bridge, went to hospital. Um, I think he had fallen unconscious, but was conscious when he got to hospital, spoke to his wife um, pretty shortly after the game. And since then, we've seen these social media posts. He is on his road to recovery and on the whole, seems to be all right, uh, which is great news. Uh, we wait to see how long it'll take for him to be fit enough and safe enough to return to action. But with that Southampton defeat, Adam, where does that leave Graham Potter? How do you think he seemed after the match? Uh, it leaves him in a very difficult position. Um, of course, you know and sure have, have seen the reaction from supporters. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of frustration. There's a lot who want a change. And you can understand all of that, to be honest, because because of the results that Chelsea have had, because of the performances they've had. Graham Potter, I don't want to, you know, he seems a little bit browbeaten at the moment. Um, but that's to be expected. I think he's trying to still emphasise the need for time and, and patience. And, you know, there, there is... That's, that's to a to a degree is fairly valid, but you know it's not what supporters want to hear after another defeat. And I think that's the situation he's in is that the strength of feeling has turned so against him now. Even if there are mitigating circumstances or or you know reasons for the results, nobody wants to listen to them. Uh, so he's in a very difficult position. Um, I think at the weekend, the first half was as bad as it's been under Potter. It was so listless. There was really nothing to to really cling on to, even though he made changes. They didn't, you know, they were kind of forced upon him. Slash, he took that decision because he didn't want to overload players uh, with injuries. There were a couple of interesting moments. I mean, you know, Datro Fafana. I don't know if his inclusion actually unsettled the balance of the attack because we saw Jao Felix disappear basically for 90 minutes. Mason Mount didn't have any impact on the game. Noni Madueke was good in flashes, but second half, Chelsea were much better. Uh, they brought on Raheem Sterling at half time. Kai Havertz and, and Mudrik were brought on in the, in 
sort of midway through. And Chelsea did create chances as they've tended to do in recent weeks under Potter. And as they've tended to do in recent weeks under Potter, they didn't take them. Uh, Raheem Sterling had two very, very good opportunities. I thought he played well and we'll probably discuss him a little bit more. Uh, Colin Gallagher had a late chance as well. But it's, it's it's the same story and people are getting bored of that story and, uh, and are ready for something different. And at the moment, it's, you know... Things as business as usual for Graham Potter at Chelsea. He's continuing as the head coach. He's preparing the team for Tottenham. He had gave the players a couple of days off, maybe inadvisedly, I suppose, um, after that defeat because the optics of having, you know, that they're scheduled days off, but the optics of having two days off after a defeat to the bottom of the you know side that's bottom of the table isn't great. So, yeah, it's a it's a low, very very long winded way of saying. He's in a very difficult position at the moment. He is indeed. And I guess, Bobby, you, you wrote a little bit yesterday about Potter's previous reaction to booze and, and the like. Um, he did get them and the teams a whole got booze at halftime and full time at the weekend. Where do you think he's at in his own in his own mindset at the minute? And, you know, is he still, you know, finding some fluency in the team are, are they improving at all despite the difficulties of, of sunday uh, saturday rather um i mean that i think there have been like glimpses of improvement but i don't think that's enough right now um i think glimpses of improvement probably should have been you know a couple of months ago i'm not saying that the team should be you know um the best Potter side right now, like this, obviously it's still going to take loads of time, but I think I think there needs to be a bit more from what we've seen. And like Adam said, there there, there have been more chances created in recent games. Um, of course, there's like three new sign-ins in attack, and some of them have played well. Some of them played better than others. Um, but yeah, I, I I think right now he's a very I mean, I, I respect him because he's coming out and he's still backing himself and I think that's all you can do. And I, I genuinely believe he does back himself and he should do because, I mean, where would you be in this elite level of sport if you didn't back yourself? Um, but right now it's it's not clicking and, I mean, it literally, you just think that Sterling chance the other day that was blocked by Maitland-Niles, if that goes in, Chelsea might go on to win that game and things look a lot different. It's... Like it's a cliche, but it's fine margins in sport, um, and that is that is the case, and that that has been the case for the last few games when Chelsea have missed some big chances. Um, but yeah, I, at a moment, I just think it's all a bit it's all a bit flat. It's all a bit predictable from Chelsea. Um, I think their play needs to be quicker. Um, and yeah, I mean that's not that's not helped by the flat atmosphere at the moment, um, which is understandable because you know Chelsea have won, I think just one in the last ten games, so fans are going to be on their back. And the reaction at full time the other day said all you needed to hear. And uh, like as we understand, he's obviously still being backed by Todd Bowley and Egbali, but I mean. Who knows what will happen? Uh, they play. They play Spurs at the weekend, which we'll talk to. We'll talk more about later. Um, I dread to think the reaction if Chelsea lose to Spurs because 
Chelsea don't usually lose to Spurs. I think the last time they lost in the Premier League was 2018. Um, it's not something that happens. If that was to happen, then I'd, I'm, I'm trying to think of a if it could get any worse than it is right now on um, with the fans and everything. So, But I'm sure it would. Um, he's got a big week now. I think they're training today for the first time since losing. He's got a big week to prepare his players, try and get recent results out of their mind. Just try and inject a bit of positivity into them before they travel to a, an unpredictable Spurs side, but one that, you know, they probably should beat on paper. But look, we'll see. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a very hard place for Potter right now. Yeah, and I think obviously Potter arriving in the job came in with plenty of plaudits from what he achieved at Brighton and, and the heights he took them to. But I think some... Brighton fans perhaps had some warnings. Obviously, he did get booed during his time um, on the South Coast, and they had some runs where they went a long time without winning at home and obviously had their own struggles in front of goal. I think that was always like the caveat to how good Brighton were. If they had a striker, if they had somebody who could score goals. Do we have any kind of signs that Potter can fix these issues going forward, or is it something that's always been in his management and I guess as you brought him up before is the likes of Raheem Sterling the kind of player that that can help in that in that uh, area Adam yes because Raheem Sterling's record in the Premier League is is speaks for itself but the I don't quite know what Graham Potter's done to anger the gods of expected goals because this isn't a new thing for him. An inability to take chances, as you referenced, is is something that dates back to his Brighton days. And look, let's not pretend that Chelsea were this super clinical, ruthless machine under Thomas Tuchel. They weren't. They missed chances. They, the team under Frank Lampard missed chances. This is an ongoing problem for Chelsea and an ongoing problem for Potter, which has sort of concocted this perfect scenario for him where it's difficult to argue against the last few games in terms of, of course, results haven't been what Chelsea wanted, but they have created a lot of chances, a lot of chances in these last few games. Um, obviously, in Dortmund, they, they, they hit the they hit the bar through Jao Felix and he missed another good chance against West Ham. They had two goals ruled out for offside, I think it was, and they were quite, both quite marginal calls. Against Southampton, obviously, we mentioned Sterling had chances. So... <sighs> There have been there have been signs of, of of a plan that is working to an extent in terms of go back to before the World Cup and Chelsea were playing, especially in the last maybe three weeks before the World Cup, were playing awfully. There was very little chance creation. Defensively they looked quite open. Um and they deserved to be losing games. Um you look back on the last month or so, and and I'm, I'm going to start sounding like Graham Potter. If you look back on the last month or so, the performances haven't necessarily been as bad, and there is more of a structure there, and they've created chances to win games, but they do find very creative ways to lose matches or not win matches. And I don't know if Graham Potter can solve it because this isn't, as I said, this isn't a a new problem for him having a team that can't score goals it is it is something that has followed him around over the last three years um 
in the same way it has Chelsea. And maybe you need a new striker, which, you know, I think everyone at Chelsea does agree with. Um, but are you gonna, you're not going to get that until the summer. So you need to find another way. And is Kai Havertz a solution to that? Probably not. Is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang? I mean, he's he's got a pedigree as a goal scorer, but there is an impact probably to Chelsea's overall attacking play with him in the team because he doesn't offer the same level of of, of energy across the front line of, of maybe link players' habits. And David Dattrufafan is, is quite raw still, but he does have a certain element of, of unpredictability. So... I, I, I don't see the solution being in this Chelsea team already. Potter has to try and find one. Raheem Sterling looked good off the bench, I thought, uh, against Southampton, say so he had the chances. I thought he took a lot of responsibility as well. In that second half, he was very much willing to take the ball under pressure to try and turn out, to, to, to create a chance to get Chelsea up the pitch. And ultimately, that's kind of what he was signed to be. I mean, if you remember, go back to last summer, Raheem Sterling was Thomas Tuchel's first choice for that attacking position because of his experience, because of his personality, because he was willing to be the leader of an attack. So Chelsea need him to step up now he's back from injury. I thought there were signs that he is going to at least try to do that in, in the weeks ahead. Whether or not this... It, it would be very Chelsea to now go and win at Tottenham um, because... That's sort of what Chelsea do when they're in, in real, real difficult points. They do seem to find a way to suddenly get a result and beating Tottenham would be would be massive for Potter um, because it would probably be his biggest win, at least in the Premier League as Chelsea head coach, I would say, in terms of a big statement, in terms of being a local rival. Um, you know, one that Chelsea fans just... Chelsea fans hate losing against Tottenham. As, as Bobby said, it doesn't happen very often. And that is, is is only exasperated when it does. You know, Chelsea fans don't want to lose against Tottenham. So does make this weekend's game very, very important. Um, but then I think we probably said the same thing about Southampton last weekend being uh, very important as well. So look, every game is very important at this stage. Um, and it's on Potter to try and find a solution to this attacking problem, which historic, historically, at least, you'd say that he hasn't been able to do just on the just on the attacking problems, I, I I don't know for a fact, but doesn't that also like fall down on the attacking coach, the forward coach at Chelsea? I, it's hard to sort of blame this all on Potter when in reality you've got these really expensive attacking players who should be scoring these chances. Like I I feel like for Sterling the other day he was unlucky because it was an insane block by Maitland Niles, right? But like he probably still should do better. And there's other chances in that game as well, not just in that game, but against Dortmund, against West Ham, against Fulham, that these players should be scoring. And I don't think, I don't think that actually comes down to. Obviously, it does because he's, you know, he's the figurehead at Chelsea, so he's going to get the blame, and managers do get the blame for anything now. But these players should be scoring these chances, and all Pot, in my opinion, all Potter can do is, he's a guy who sets up. The styles of play, you know, the little um, the little moves before, I think that that's more to do with Potter rather than the actual finish itself. So I, I'm sure there's a, a forward coach at Chelsea who is trying trying their best. Don't don't get me wrong, but like he he probably isn't getting the slack that Potter's getting just because of the figurehead Potter is. That's my point. Well, I, I remember Thomas Tuchel talking about this. I want to say it was after. 
Burnley at home last season, a game that Chelsea had drew, I think, 1-1, and they should have they should have won comfortably. And Tuchel's asked, uh, very specifically, what can you do to help players take chances and finish, basically? And he sort of laughed and said, well, I can't do that. I, I'm not the guy to, to sort of teach players how to score goals. You, you can't do that. All I can do as a coach is devise a system that helps us get the chances. Yeah, And if we're not scoring from the chances we create, then I have to devise a system that helps us create more chances so that we'll have that balance of probability, essentially. And this is, you know, we can get into, you know, I really don't want to get into the debates around expected goals models and X, Y, and Z, but Potter has, at least in the last few games, devised a system which is helping Chelsea create more expected goals and restrict the opposition's expected goals. So in theory, there is a framework there that should enable Chelsea to win matches. But Graham Potter cannot go out onto that pitch and tell Jao Felix against Borussia Dortmund, I know you're free and I know you've got a shot from 12 yards here. Don't put it over the bar. Just guide it into the bottom corner. The same for Raheem Sterling at the weekend. Potter cannot finish the chances. All he can do is create a system that that enables them to be created. And on that, he, he you know, this is the thing, you know, it, he cannot do more in terms of getting players to finish. Sure, maybe the system can be improved so that there are even more chances to give Chelsea even more opportunity. But that's not an easy thing to do, especially as, as you highlighted earlier, Bobby, when you're still bedding in three or four new signings, when you're still trying to be careful about overloading Reese James and Ben Chilwell and Raheem Sterling. <sighs> I know we're going to sound like Potter apologists and, I do have some sympathy for him, but at the same time, you're the Chelsea head coach. You get paid a lot of money. You're new to solve these issues, and if you can't, then and if especially if you can't, and defeats follow, then you are going to come under intense criticism as he is. Yeah, I think one of the big concerns for me is when you are looking back at these games and the positives that you take away. It's the likes of. David Fafana having some nice runs, some nice footwork from deep to drive the ball to pitch. The same with Donny Madweke. That's what made Mudrick so exciting. It's all kind of individual little moments in isolation. And while we're seeing the improved um, XG stats and stuff like that, against Southampton, as we kind of already mentioned, that first half was just woeful. And I, I imagine, uh, I've not went into it, but I imagine most of... Chelsea's XG came in the second half and yeah. fair enough, a second half goal counts just as much as a first half goal. Um, but what Chelsea are struggling to do, and I think Potter alluded to this against West Ham, they're not putting a 90 minute performance together yet. Um, and while that, that is okay most of the time, um, Chelsea aren't displaying kind of control over the games. I think the games are happening and Chelsea are playing as opposed to dictating the play as you kind of expect from the better teams most of the time. And I think what you've kind of mentioned about the size of the squad is going to be interesting moving forward and how he approaches it. Um, I think it was it was its exchanges at the weekend, uh, obviously some enforced. And I just wonder, do, do we see Potter start to reduce the group he uses? Um, obviously, I think... For all we hear about Aubameyang having the same chance as everybody else, he's obviously not favoured in terms of Potter. If he, if he is training to his very best and being as impressive and still not getting in the squads, we, we can probably pretty safely say he's not going to be involved unless something else goes wrong. Um, but do you see that group B 
been tailored down a little bit and we see more of a you know best 11 from potter um and it, i guess that's open to either of you i think it's yeah. quite problematic yeah, to, go on, sorry, Bobby. i think it's quite problematic to do that mid-season because you'll end up with players being very disgruntled if they're just shunted out and having a squad of about 32 i think it is something like that no head coach wants a squad that big Tuchel didn't want a squad that big in pre-season. That's why he sent Billy Gilmore and Levi Colwell and, and people away, because he didn't want to work with that many players, because he didn't think it was feasible to coach well in that environment. So I think Potter in a perfect world would want a smaller group, but it's very difficult to, to, to do that in the middle of a season, because all you'll do is, is irritate players, is anger players. And I'm sure there are players at the moment who are disgruntled that they're not you know Aubameyang is probably the prime example do you know it, it would be unnatural of him to not be a little bit peeved that he's been taken out of the Champions League squad and that he's not playing at the weekend the same way any player who's not playing consistently is going to be a little bit aggy because every player pretty much wants to play and if they're not playing then they're not going to be entirely happy and that can manifest itself in different ways for different players and Ideally, you don't want to have a group that big where you have maybe six, seven, eight players who have that little, that feeling that they're, oh, I'm not in the squad this weekend. Because every say, 99% of players want to be playing. And then to not make the squad is, is going to be frustrating. To not get on will be frustrating. But then if you're potty, you have to try and balance all this out and keep everyone happy as best you can. Whether or not that's to the detriment of building a, what, quote-unquote first-choice 11, which I don't think, you know, you can actually have a first-choice 11 in that sense anymore in the Premier League. You do have to, to mix and match a little bit as you go. But, yeah, it's by, by far not an ideal circumstance for him. But I don't think it's an easy one for him to change without causing bigger issues for him down the line. Yeah, and uh, also with that, you've got the all of these new sign-ins have been big money and, like, you don't want to irritate the owners either by leaving like a big money player out who like for example I'm not, like Madawicki and Badia Shield both not being in the Champions League squad I'm not saying it's irritated the owners but like imagine that for like a run of Premier League games one of them not getting in the squad and then the owners are starting to question what they put their money into so there are a lot of things for Potter to contend with and some you know some big egos in the squad like like there should be in any um Premier League team but some big egos and yeah I mean there's just so many so many new signings over the last two windows it's just not enough player sales not enough players going out on loan leaving it has sort of turned into this I mean I mean if you ask a lot of managers they'll they'll bite your hand off for a squad of with the depth that Chelsea have got but it also has its disadvantages because yeah, you've got to try and keep everyone happy, and in a way, for Potter, as ridiculous as it sounds, the injuries um, Chelsea have had have probably helped him a bit in terms of choosing his squad. So he hasn't got as many players. But it's obviously still not ideal. Yeah, and uh, if we look at one of those players that missed out at the weekend, presumably from a load management perspective, Thiago Silva. I don't think it took very long for his absence to be noticed. Uh, Southampton had a couple of early. Chances where both uh, Badi Ashil and Koulibaly looked a bit vulnerable. Koulibaly perhaps a little bit lucky to stay on the pitch for his initial challenge where he picked up the other card and then also had a few worrying sort of tackles where he could have maybe picked up another. Um, I guess 
again, it's something we could probably talk about all day, every day, is just how big is Thiago Silva for this squad? But then also in the second half, how good was it to see Wesley Fofana back? And it seemed like he added a little bit of security after that instability in the first half, Adam. Yeah, I thought he showed a lot of personality, actually. Um, to come back after, what is it going to be, probably about four months out, um, something like that. I thought he showed. I say he thought he showed a lot of personality. I thought he was trying to drag the team forward, um, which was say very encouraging when it's his first appearance in, in that long. It was worth noting as well at, at full time, and we kind of talk about Chelsea lacking. You know, we've discussed Chelsea lacking leadership in this team. I thought it was very interesting that that come full time there were a few players heading towards the tunnel when it was for Farnham who actually got a few of them. It was like, no, no, you need to come come back on this pitch and applaud the supporters who are here still which was a good moment for him, I think, as just as a, as a personality. So that was uh, encouraging to see from his perspective. And, and, you know, Chelsea will hope he builds on that going forward and, and doesn't have any any issues um, like, like all the other players. He's going to have to be managed, of course, after that long out. But, uh, but you'd like to think he'll be involved against Tottenham in some capacity. And Thiago Silva, um, yeah, there's not much we can really say about Thiago Silva at this point that hasn't been said before. He makes other players better. It's not just that he is absolutely fantastic and a sort of a masterful centre-back. It's he makes other players better around him. He brings a a sort of reassurance to the defence. Um, and that was very clear early on against Southampton. Chelsea didn't have that. You know, there was a mistake by Badia Shiel. Uh, Koulibaly was, was diving into challenges, as he tends to do. There just wasn't that calming presence in the back line and... And that, that impacted Chelsea a lot. Um, but Thiago Silva is 38 years old. You cannot expect him to play every single minute of every single game because his body will eventually break down. And, and that's not just for him, it's for every player. You know, Chelsea's schedule this season and probably taking into account last season has been incredibly stressful on players' bodies. And you have to give them a break every now and then. And the fact Thiago Silva has played more minutes than any other Chelsea player this season is quite frankly ridiculous but testament to him but somewhat concerning that Chelsea feel or Graham Potter and and probably Thomas Tuchel before him feels that they cannot leave this guy out the team because without him issues start to arise um so look he'll be back in the team for Tottenham barring any injuries or anything like that Chelsea will benefit from that players around him will benefit from that but it's concerning that you cannot leave Thiago Silva out of this defense without then having big problems in terms of in terms of just the overall performance of it. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's a big issue for Potter and one that Chelsea needs somebody to step up to and, and solve. Yeah, for sure. And I guess we, we are going to be presented with these questions of, of when players need to be rested and rotated. But I wonder, Bobby, um, obviously Enzo Fernandez has came to the club and he's been another player who's quickly kind of made himself ever-present. Um does a partner stick out for him? I think we saw Loftus-Cheek play two consecutive games alongside him and then was left out of the squad at the weekend. Have you been impressed by any system or midfield partner that he's he's been with so far? Um, not overly. I thought I thought Kovacic was the obvious one. Um, but I wasn't I wasn't too impressed by sort of what happened on Saturday. Um, I'd quite like to see uh, Zachariah back 
playing alongside him. I think that, I think that's something that could work because you've got. I mean, it sounds very obvious, but you've got this sort of physical presence, box to box player in Zachariah who de- did definitely impress before he got injured. Um, he definitely surprised a few Chelsea fans, I think, after not seeing him for so long. I mean, he just sort of slotted into the team and played really well. And then you've obviously got Enzo Fernandez, who's a very, you know, pretty player, very, very good on the ball. Um, someone who can just keep the game ticking and ch- change the game. And he's shown that already, excuse me, over his um, first few games at Chelsea. So I think on paper that that is something that looks promising. Um, and I'd like to see it against Spurs. I really would like to see it against Spurs, but I don't necessarily think that will be what happens. I, I think he might go for Kovacic again because, um, yeah, like obviously you got your ease and Zachariah back in from a fairly like long term injury, mid to long term injury. Um, but then again, with Kovacic, is a bit like Thiago Silva and Reese James. You've got to, you've got to manage his fitness. That 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 has been. There will be there will be eight eight days by the time um, Chelsea play again. So. It wouldn't surprise wouldn't surprise me to see him alongside Fernandez again, but I would like to see Fernandez and Zachariah. I think that's something that could work. And then it wouldn't even surprise me if he goes for a midfield three against Spurs because you know, sort of a one of the top six sides away from home. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the worst idea. So even if you went with Zachariah, Enzo, and Kovacic, say or Loftus Cheek, I think that's something that could potentially work. And then just li- sort of leave the front three for counter-attacks or um, whatever. So, yeah, I, th- I think Zachariah and Enzo is definitely something I'd like to see. Cool. And I guess as, as you've mentioned it, we, we'll move on to that Tottenham game. And as we have discussed, Graham Potter so much, how, how decisive would this weekend's game be for Potter and perhaps the owners? And um, I guess we've, we've said it, many a time this season, but how, how big would three points be for Chelsea this week, Adam? I mean, it would be huge. Uh, it would lift the mood, um, probably more importantly, because, as you say, Tottenham is probably the game or, or the two games that Chelsea fans are desperate to win, maybe level with maybe Arsenal, I would say. But Tottenham and Chelsea do have this rivalry. Uh, it stems from Chelsea just having dominance over Tottenham for so, so many years. And obviously Tottenham have pulled themselves back toward Chelsea's level uh, in recent years. So it is a bit more of an even playing field now. Uh, But as Bobby said earlier, I mean, I can't really see how it can get much worse on social media for Graham Potter at this point and and the feeling within Chelsea fan base. But lose to Tottenham and it somehow will uh, because Chelsea just don't do that, as Bobby said. That is very, very sporadic. So... For Graham Potter, if they lose to Tottenham, the noise will intensify, the the anger will grow. And then who knows? I mean, as I said, the ownership have made it clear that they're standing by him right now. They don't want to be rash. There's probably an element of of credibility as well there because they, they took the decision, obviously, to, 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 to part ways with Thomas Tuchel in, in September and bring in Potter. That was a big call on their part. And... To, to, to change wherever we're five, six months in, it's, it's probably not great in terms of in terms of just giving this authority that they have that they are sticking to this long-term plan. I mean, if, you, if you're going to build towards a long-term plan, if you're going to pay £20 million compensation to get this head coach to then build around the head coach to then sack him is 
a very very bold decision because it, it does have some implicit culpability on you so it's it's a huge game and Graham Potter has to maybe rise to it a bit he has to show on the touchline a little bit more I know it's not necessarily his style and I actually quite respect the fact I do quite respect the fact he is very much stayed true to himself um, but until results improve, I mean, he he isn't going to get an easy ride. So beating Tottenham would be massive. And it's something that Chelsea quite simply have to do at this point because otherwise it, it turns a very toxic situation probably into a, a just complete outright poisonous one. Yeah, and Tottenham themselves, I think many people probably wouldn't have considered them to have had the season. Um, perhaps not the one they would have hoped for given the way they ended last term. Um, they are fourth and 11 points ahead of Chelsea, so perhaps everything in its uh, context perhaps looks a little bit better. But they have lost eight games. That is the same amount as Chelsea, but they're obviously doing a little bit better in front of goal to convert some of those draws into wins. Um, I guess, how vulnerable are this Tottenham side, Bobby and I, I guess, as always, Harry, Harry Kane's going to be the big danger. Yeah, of course. Um, it, it's, this Tottenham side are very um, unpredictable. Uh, we've seen them play some like really good football against... I mean, they beat Man City the other week, um, which they always seem to do at their stadium. And they gave them a right good go at the Etihad as well. Um, they're, they're a side who, on their day, can be one of the best in the league and one of one that is really hard to break down. And we, we all know how well Conte runs his size, even though he's, of course, um, ill at the moment. But he, he the setup remains the same. We all know how difficult that can be to break down and how good they can be on the counter-attack. And they've got they've got the perfect players for the counter-attack as well in um, Son, Kulazewski, uh Kane, obviously, um, Richarlison when he plays. They've got some truly brilliant attackers and... If look, if they're on their day, then they're going to cause Chelsea all sorts of issues. And like you said, Harry Kane just continues to be this world class striker season after season. And I mean, I guess easy to say in it, but that's what Chelsea are missing that that number nine, um, the sort of player Aubameyang was in the past. Um, not saying he was ever as good as Harry Kane, but my point is having this number nine who just you know scores goals week in week out. That is easy, I, I, and I did buy one of those. Didn't really work out. Yeah, that's it as well. With obviously with Lukaku, so it's it's an easy and lazy thing to say almost. But um, yeah, look, they're gonna they're gonna be up for it. The fans are gonna be up for it, and they're gonna be smelling smelling tasting blood. I can't even think what the saying is now. Sensing blood, one of those three. All of the three. Uh, all of the three. And smelling blood. They're going to know the situation their rivals Chelsea are in. Um, and, you, I mean, if they go one the up early on, you, you already know the chance are going to be you're getting sacked in the morning and they're going to be loving life and that Chelsea have just got to try their best to avoid getting in that situation because that could be a really long day for Chelsea. Um, if Spurs do score early on, then we can see them if they score one or two early on, we can see them go in a bit more defensive and then you've got sort of low block that Chelsea have struggled to break down recently. So it might it might suit Chelsea. You're hoping it suits Chelsea a bit more than the Southampton game perhaps because it should be a bit more open. 
Um, there should be more spaces for the pacey attackers for Chelsea to hit them on the counter, but uh, I, well, it, it's going to be it's going to be a difficult game, and uh, Chelsea obviously going there hoping to win, desperate to win, needing to win. But to be my pessimistic self, I can't see it at the moment. I think a draw, maybe. I don't, I, but even a draw right now, I don't think particularly helps Potter. It's obviously better than a win, uh, better than a loss. Sorry, um, but. I, Chelsea need to win, and the pressure is not gonna not gonna go anytime soon. Even if even if they did, did go and win on Sunday, so um, it should be an interesting game for sure. The most yeah. important the most important thing that Chelsea need to do at the weekend is start well, because yeah. that was the issue against Southampton. They came out very sluggish, and and it left it enabled Southampton to just take control and and dominate the first half. Uh, that's the biggest thing Chelsea need is they need to come out quick. They need to come out with energy. They need to come out with sort of a statement of intent about what their performance is going to be. And I think if you go back to the very beginning of the season, look, Thomas Tuchel oversaw six Premier League games. And I don't think there were many good performances. If, if well, there was one and that was Tottenham at home. Yeah. And that's a game that Chelsea suddenly went from being quite a sleepy pedestrian team, uh, you know, through pre-season and, and on, even on the opening day against Everton, they weren't great. They suddenly came out against Tottenham and were this really effervescent, you know, high-pressing, very intense team, and, and they should have won that game. But that's what I mean. Tottenham should bring out the the best bit or the best attributes of this squad. If they come out for the first ten minutes against Spurs and are very slow and balls not being moved quickly, there's no real signs of a press. It will set the tone for the ninety minutes or for the rest of the game that follows. And uh, yeah, yeah. Graham Potter. If I'm Graham Potter, I am emphasising the need to, to come out, really go at Tottenham early, really put your marker down on this game, that this is how we're going to play. And then hopefully you can build on that. That's it. If Chelsea if Chelsea play like they did in the first half against Southampton, then the game will be over by halftime against Spurs. Because they've got those players. They've got an informed Harry Kane. They've got Son who scored on Sunday, who's starting to look a bit better after a slow start to the season. And yeah, like no disrespect to Southampton, but quite a lot of teams would probably have had the game wrapped up or close to wrapped up with how Chelsea played in the first half on Saturday. So, yeah. So should we expect Graham Potter storming down the touchline then, should we? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just not his style, isn't it? And I, I, I don't necessarily think that's an issue. Um, I think some of the criticism on Potter for not freaking out and stuff is very unfair. And um, yeah, but look, he, he, he does it how he wants to do it. I mean, I think of Rafa Benitez. He's one of the most successful managers we've foreign managers we've seen in um, England over recent years, and he was never one to absolutely freak out. He's always stayed calm. It, it it can be done. It's just not. It's not what Chelsea are used to. It's not what Chelsea are used to. Yeah, and I, I guess when you speak about this game and you think about how the the atmosphere was in August and obviously that's been one of Chelsea's better games it, it is a game where they're going to probably need some leaders and I think as Adam mentioned earlier on we should probably expect Reese James and Thiago Silva to come straight back into that back line um and I guess Adam first who do you think joins joins them in that defense is it Badi Ashiel plus one or has Fafana got a chance of starting maybe no I think it will be James assuming back four, which it would be quite a deviation to go away from that now, but I would assume it's James, Silver, Baddy, Shield, Chilwell. 
um, Enzo in front. I'd be, as Bobby was saying earlier, I'd be quite intrigued to see Dennis Sakari play alongside him because I think they would complement each other nicely. Um, so let's, for argument's sake, you say it's Sakari and and, uh, and Enzo, and then you'd probably have Madrid, Felix, Sterling, Havertz. Um, you can probably quibble about maybe one or two players in, in that 11, but I imagine that's probably going to be the basis of, of what Potter will lean towards. And I mean, you go through it 1-11, to 11, it's a pretty good team that there's a lot of good good players in that team a lot of quality and, and yes they are still learning how to play with each other a lot of those guys I mean you know Sterling hasn't played very much with the new signings and uh, neither Zakaria of course but there is still quality in that team and, and they should be able to give Tottenham a good game but if they don't then uh, yeah as we were saying earlier it's going to get very 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 difficult for Graham Potter Are you seeing a similar side than Bobby? Yeah I think so um yeah, so I've, I couldn't really disagree with any of that. Um, I think Sterling definitely deserves to come back into the side after um, what he showed in the second half the other day. Um, and yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe bring Madueke out. I think I think he's also Madueke is also a very good option to have on the bench with his um, like speed and directness. I think that could help if Chelsea stood in the game with 20, 30 minutes to go. Um, Havertz, yeah, back in the side. I've I was quite happy to see uh, David Fafana play the other day, but I think I would bring Havertz back into the side for this one. And yeah, I, I don't think I can think I can disagree with any of what Adam said. But whether or not he does start Sakaria, I'm not sure, but I would like to see it. And I guess do do you see any of the players that were left out this weekend, Adam? Obviously, the likes of Ziyech, Loftus Cheek, Aubameyang. Do you see any of them coming back in, or will we start to see some more? players that are regularly left out of the squads that become a bit more yeah regular and consistent I look if Zakari is not fit to start then maybe Loftus-Cheek comes back in uh, I thought he played well alongside Enzo and Dortmund so maybe maybe you go that way if if you can't go with with Zakaria or maybe even Kovacic <laughs> it's difficult to see Aubameyang coming back into the squad um Maybe you put him on the bench ahead of Dattro Fafana because you've given him that chance now. Hakim Ziyech, yeah, could be on the bench. <laughs> it's, it's, they're right to say there are going to be always players who are left out. Whether or not you can do that consistently, as we were talking about earlier, and you can't really do that consistently and keep players happy. If a player isn't making a matchday squad week after week, game after game, it's inevitable that there'll be some frustration, and how to say how that manifests itself. It'll be different for every. It'll be different for everybody, but it's the challenge that Potter has. He has to try and keep a very, very bloated group of players happy, and and try and make sure that that nobody really becomes an issue for him. And I think he's trying to do that, but I also think that's probably impacting his just the clarity I think of, of building this team and then the squad are just, it's just such a difficult position he's in in terms of trying to, to keep everyone happy whilst also trying to, to build towards an ideal that he would want I think yeah and it's certainly going to be a busy week for Potter in doing that I think I mean I got to watch a little bit of training last week but the spirits did still look good in the squad surprisingly so I think often you hear managers speak about how well training's going and it sounds like just something you say to try and get through a press conference or you know, your hope's true going in your game, but but there generally seemed to be a good atmosphere as the players came out and during the drills that I saw in the 15 minutes. I think this week, 
whether you can replicate that after a defeat to Southampton and, and the defeated Dortmund. Um, it's going to be a big test for Potter to keep um, those spirits high. I think what maybe helped today, we've just seen the news as we recorded that Cesar Spilicueta watched Trent the day he's out of hospital and the club medical staff will be helping him go through his protocols. Um, so obviously that's positive and hopefully should give people the boost to see that that he is doing well. Um, but w- what are Potter's challenges this week in training, Bobby, and, and what what can he do to try and lift the side? He's just got to try, I say just, he's got to try and um, just make things positive. Like it, it, like you said, um, it was good to hear that the spirits were still high last week. I'm, I'm sure they are still this week because, you know, professional players good at good at putting bad results to the back of their mind but he's got he's got to try and get some confidence back into his players it's not easy of course I mean if if it was as easy as that every manager would do it but he's got to just try and get out of their mind this is almost like you could almost treat this as a one-off game it's a a London derby against Spurs it's you know it's, it's it's a very it's a very emotional game for fans and players and staff. So he's got to try and set them up as best as he can for that. I think try and focus on some attacking drills because like we were talking about earlier, I, think, I, I don't think that the issue is necessarily the creation. It's just the um, the end bit, the you know the most important bit. But just keep trying to, keep trying to get those attacking drills going well. If he can decide on a team or have an idea of a team, that he's going to play on Sunday, then maybe focus with that front four um, and just have them sort of, you know, going up against the back, the back four as much as he can, and just trying to trying to um, regain some confidence in a very depleted Chelsea side. And I think the midfield is going to be key. I think Tottenham have got a couple of injuries. They got Basuma out and uh, Bentancur, who Bentancur especially is a really important player for them. Um, Hjoyberg's back who is again a very important player and then they got Oliver Skip who I to be fair I haven't seen much of but I've seen him um, quite often criticised so if Chelsea can try and win that midfield battle I think that would be key and whether that's Enzo and um, Zachariah or Enzo and Kovacic Loftus-Cheek whatever I think that is going to be a key to winning this game as it is in every big game but yeah there's a lot of stuff for Potter to do and no, I'm I'm not going to sit here and tell him what to do. He knows way more than I do about um, coaching players. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's doing all the right things to get his team ready for Sunday. And just one midfielder we've not really touched upon so much because he's been out for so long. I think the last time he might have actually played was against Tottenham um, in that game. That was obviously so many months ago. Is Angola Kante still getting out on the uh, grass? What What do we know about his situation, Adam? He's still working his way back. Um, reported a couple of weeks ago that that he'd sort of done some very light work with with his teammates in terms of just go for warm ups, nothing strenuous, nothing, uh, no sort of no contact training. Um, he's still building up to that. The expectation was always that he'd be back towards the end of Feb, early March, uh, and nothing seems to have changed in that regard. Chelsea could do with him back. Um, they could do with him back, and, and hopefully Chelsea will still be in the Champions League. They still have to overcome. Dortmund uh, at Stamford Bridge and if you can get Angola Kante back you drop him into the, to that midfield next to Enzo Fernandez. if you can get him back to his 2021 levels then who knows what's possible but it's such a it's, it's almost become an afterthought really this season that Chelsea just don't have Angola Kante 
and you kind of you know just accept it but he's been out for six months now and a fully fit and a and an informed Golo Kante is, is is still the best player in this Chelsea team and still transforms what this Chelsea team can be. So to get him back would be massive. Um and then you'd see give him to the end of the season, see what he can do in terms of his fitness, and then obviously there's those discussions going on about his contract and you see where the chips fall at that point. But yeah, it's it is easy to forget just that how Chelsea haven't he haven't he hasn't even been fit for two games. He's played less than two games all season. And when you think about how important he is, just to lose a player like that for such a long time is is hugely damaging. Yeah, and I guess it's one of those things where it's ifs, buts, and excuses. But for Potter to have what had a few days of N'Golo Kante in training, um, it tops it is just wild in itself. And I don't know. I guess obviously injuries have helped in terms of narrowing down team selections. But anybody would want to be able to pick N'Golo Kante probably. Um, but I guess unless you guys have got anything else that you would like to speak about, we'll leave things there. Um, Thank you for joining us once again. Hopefully, next time you tune in, we can, you know, talk about a victory over over Tottenham. Um, as we've said, massive, massive game for Chelsea at the weekend. You'll be able to find all the coverage on Football London between both at the three of us and our Tottenham reports, as well as the Golden Rob guest. Um, so yeah, thanks for joining us. Leave us a review if it's a good one, and just make sure you subscribe. Uh, so thanks a lot.